The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadwa. All right, and welcome. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm very excited to introduce our guest for today. We have Don Kenner with us, who is a licensed clinical psychotherapist. And while she provides um, treatment and therapy for a wide variety of different things, her specialty is working with the spectrum of eating disorders and um individual relationships with food. So welcome, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much, Serena. Absolutely. So let's jump right in because obviously, you know, food is food and we we all like food. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, what what's your perspective on on the the idea of food wellness? Well, you know, it's something that we naturally are born with just having that natural intuitive connection to eating and eating when we're hungry, stopping when we're full. It's something that nourishes us. Um, and certainly we have an emotional connection to food that we learn, you know, over the course of our lifetime. Um, so just, just having balance with food, having eating and variety and moderation, that, that would be considered food wellness. Well, and I thought you brought up a really good, a great phrase there because, you know, this emotional connection that you mentioned, how does that fit in with, with wellness? Um, because, you know, we often hear people that will eat, you know, um, when they're stressed out or when they're feeling negative or when they need comfort, um, you know, chocolate tends to be a great soother. I sure, mean, I know. <laughs> so, so how, do, how does that fit in with that? Well, um, you know, oftentimes, well, I guess it, on the opposite side of food wellness, when you kind of have, start having difficulties with food, there are often people that I work with, and it's, it's very common for people to be using food as their primary source of um, coping with emotions. Okay. Which, you know, can set you up for problems um, because... Really, food, if you want to look at it in terms of food wellness, using food for um, nourishment and pleasure is where it's best. So when you say, like, quote-unquote, using food as nourishment and pleasure, Mm -hmm. can you you describe that a little bit more? Like, you know, nourishment, like, so we need food to sustain us. Absolutely, and certainly during different parts of, the human lifespan, you know, needing different kinds of nutrients, 
um, and depending on your activity level, hormones, all kinds of things, um, turning to food for nourishment to nourish your body and to provide you with all the different vitamins and minerals that you need um, and basically to give you fuel for your body. Um, and then pleasure to enjoy it. And certainly, you know, a lot of social interactions involve food, being able to be comfortable and, and eat food or, you know, and, and, and partake in social outings, social um, gatherings and celebrations. So how do you, how does one like even potentially separate those two? Because sometimes it can be difficult or challenging to separate, you know, like a lot of people do go out and, and have dinners with friends and family members or, or get together for lunches or do potlucks or things like that. And so if, if we're trying to, um, stay quote unquote well in terms mm-hmm. of how we nourish ourselves and how we how we um, develop our relationship or um, move our relationship with food. How, how can we balance that with 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 how food is pleasurable? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that naturally we do. The problem is that um, today in our culture, pretty much worldwide, we're given messages to kind of disrupt that just natural connection with food and deriving pleasure from it and getting sustenance in that, you know, kind of when you talked about how people seem to be sent the message that, you know, you need to be on a diet, you need to kind of restrict and count and be mindful of how much you're eating, which certainly being mindful of how much you're eating is relevant, but kind of like it sounds more to kind of like looking at dieting. That's mm. where the problems usually start. Um, problems in terms of what? Well, so, um, so starting on kind of like looking at how you're going to monitor what you're eating, looking at reducing it, basically dieting, restricting, restraining what you're eating, actually going on a diet. That's when people start to have, but oftentimes one of the number one predicting factors of some sort of eating issue is when people start to restrict what they're eating? Yes, absolutely. So, okay, so this is an interesting notion because, I mean, we see that all the time when people are, um, when they're saying, okay, I need to lose weight or I need to become healthier or uh, whatever the case may be for their reasons for changing their relationship with food is primarily they will start restricting what they eat, and the problem is, and when you're talking about restricting, it's often kind of like dieting. Um, okay. and, and of course, I want to give a disclaimer. You know, definitely, if you're having some, if you're under uh, some medical supervision and you're, you know, needing to follow medical advice, of course, you know, doing that. But usually, people go on a diet because we're sent that message that you know, people, you're not good enough, that you need to change what you're eating, um, and. People learn this early on. I'm seeing it earlier and earlier in my practice, you know, elementary kids, middle, middle school students, um, that, you know, they need to kind of change what they're eating. Or what I've also seen is that at home, people get the message, let's say, from their family, from their parents, that they need to monitor what they eat or parents are monitoring what their children are eating to the point of kind of restriction. Um, and that ends up, working against uh, the person. It, it, it truly does because it starts to kind of like it changes your relationship with food 
in that you kind of like it's you have to restrict yourself or deprive yourself of things and it can morph into something else entirely. Well, and that is so interesting that you say that because, you know, as, as you're, as you're discussing that and you're mentioning that, I'm thinking about how, like when we're told you can't have that or don't have that, we want that even more. Exactly. Yes. Because nobody likes to be told what they can't have or what they can't do. Yeah. So it's so like when we hear like, um, you know, uh, plans, let's say, that may say, like, you know, all these kinds of um, quote-unquote trendy plans or quote-unquote diets that say, okay, mm-hmm. you can't have any fats or you can't have carbs or whatever. Does that tend to make people want them more? Well, I think that naturally our bodies need fats. They okay. need carbs. That's a that's the number one source of fuel for us is carbohydrates, and we definitely need fat. That's what helps us kind of intake other nutrients. There's a reason that we have those things in our diet, you know. So yeah, when we we biologically crave those things, and then psychologically, when we're deprived of that, that's another additional layer of this kind of disorder that that can be created. So, so it's not only physical then, like when we're told um, you can't have this or don't eat this, it, it, where you're saying that there is this physical kind of withdrawal, but there's also this psychological thing that happens for us, like yeah. emotional, what you were talking about earlier. About feeling deprived. Yeah. Um, about being okay. told what to do. We all have that inner rebel developmentally, you know, we, it's, it's appropriate to kind of rebel, you know, how like in our teenage years. That's, it's a natural response. So let me ask you a question. So let's, you know, for listeners that are, are, are listening in and they're, you know, wanting to kind of change um, their relationship with food, they want to develop a healthier relationship, they want to move forward in this. What, what kinds of suggestions um, can you offer at this point for them relating to, you know, just kind of what we talked about already? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, in terms of logistics, I mean, it's just generally the broad consensus is rejecting dieting. And a lot of people will feel really uncomfortable about that because many listeners may have been dieting for a lot of their lives or been taught that it's good to diet. But kind of stepping away from that and, and developing more balance and peace with food and with your body. But there's this other part when you brought up about emotions and managing emotions and how people can often, and it's, and it's normalized to use food, um, is, is developing alternative coping strategies, alternative ways to, you know, soothe yourself. These are life skills. So learning how to soothe yourself, not using food, but healthy, in a healthy way. Um, learning how to distract yourself when you need to. Oftentimes food is used as a distraction. Um, and ultimately, you know, if you need to, this is kind of going ahead of things, but if, if you're noticing it seriously is a problem, you know, getting help and talking with someone. So it sounds like, and, 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 I, and I want to come back to this um, in a minute here, but it sounds like, um, you know, th- and this may even be a pretty big step too for some people from what you're saying is that rejecting this idea of you, you don't, you don't need to diet. You don't need to forbid yourself from um, not 
eating certain things. Well, the thing is that, I mean, in the end, people who have been dieting, there's a lot of research that shows that people who are chronic dieters end up weighing more than they would be if they weren't dieting in the end. Excessive dieting, chronic dieting is is associated with increased weight altogether. Um, Yeah, dieting doesn't work. It's not sustainable. On that note, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people? Too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that. Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drserenawathwa at gmail.com. That's drserenawathwa at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned with us. And if you are just joining us, we are speaking with Don Kenner, who is a licensed clinical psychotherapist and specializes in working with individuals who are struggling with eating disorders and just kind of the spectrum with uh, individuals and relationships with food. And, you know, interesting information here, you know, just right before we went on break, you were talking about how um, a chronic dieting doesn't work and that, um, uh, that what you've read or the, what the research has indicated is that people that do chronic dieting actually gain weight. 
Yeah, you know, usually the cycle is, you know, um, a period of time of dieting followed by, you know, cravings, reduced self-control, loss of control and overeating and, um, you know, can often follow by binge eating cycles. Um, and, and there's all kinds of um, medical risks associated with chronic dieting. So, you know, um, there, if you're chronically dieting, it's linked to your body retaining more fat when, over the course of time, um, decreased metabolism, and then increased heart disease and premature death. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty significant. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty significant. So it's. I mean, you know, because I've heard that like one of the things that is ha- that happens is that when individuals um, do diet, that the body kind of goes like in. Uh, what is it called? Like it thinks it's in starvation mode or something. And it starts using fat and in protein and all kinds of things that really aren't meant to be used for energy. That's why you need to eat carbohydrates. Okay. And so that's part of the what you were talking about earlier in terms of food as nourishment. Right. Uh, and looking at how different foods that we eat and keeping kind of that balance um, serves that purpose. Yes. Okay, so like when you work with individuals then, and let's say that you, um, you know, have like my, I'm guessing that um, in your practice you've had individuals that um, have been chronic dieters. Yes, I see it all the time. And okay. They end up because they end up coming at me because the diets just don't work. So what do you usually, I mean, what kind of things have you recommended with, to them? What kinds of things do you work on? I'm, I'm thinking about listeners, you know, that, um, that are hearing this and, and you know, not, um, my concern is that now they're like feeling dejected. <laughs> that they're going to be, right. And, and that's really not the point. And certainly, you know, there's, there's many degrees of kind of disordered eating, um, some of which doesn't necessarily need to be addressed clinically, um, but but could be. Um, but definitely kind of looking at, you know, your relationship, stepping back and noticing. One thing to keep in mind is that there's a difference between, and kind of sussing it out because it gets all kind of confused, but there's physical hunger. So when you're feeling hungry and then being able to feel full and being, and that's the reason that's so important to, have, to be in touch with that is just to kind of, being able to eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. But there's also this this other concept of emotional hunger, um, which I deal with a lot. So, you know, feeling really maybe empty or hungry um, because you're needing some other source of nourishment. Mm. Um, or even feeling really, really full because you're, you've just had it. Uh, had it with... Just maybe, you know, um, there is, you know, your emotions are, uh, do directly relate to your, um, your fullness and hunger levels. There is a connection, so being aware of it, because they can kind of interact with one another. There's a body-mind connection. So kind of, you know, depending on um, how you respond to certain events and what kind of uh, 
feelings you're having, you could feel maybe not so hungry or incredibly hungry, but this could be some sort of emotional cue, not necessarily physical. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So, you know, because, you know, like what you said earlier, we we get different messages growing up about mm-hmm. what to eat, what not to eat, and even when to eat um, and when not to eat. And so, you know, when you talk about um, kind of reconnecting with um, our own sense of being physically hungry, how, how does one go about doing that? How do we like reconnect with our own physical, like, is it just when my stomach growls? Is that when I know well, that I'm physically hungry? That's a great cue. Definitely listening to your physical cues, like your stomach growling or even just feeling kind of just really, really hungry or um, irritable, although that's a feeling, but just noticing that kind of stuff, um, noticing how you're physically just maybe empty and just really that physical sensation of, yeah, like your stomach rumbling. Definitely paying attention to that is a a great start. Um, There's a hunger, fullness, um, kind of tool that you can use. It's, it's, um, it's something that's not tangible, but you could certainly use it, you know, write it down. There's a scale, it's a hunger fullness scale. It goes from one to 10 with five being neutral. So you can always use that. That's something, a, a resource that anybody could have at their fingertips and just kind of check in with themselves um, when they're confused about it maybe before a meal or after a meal in terms of checking how full you are. Um, and it, so before a meal, you know, you might be anywhere between a one and a five. Five is neutral. And then after a meal, you would be anywhere from, say, five to ten. And the way to understand it better is that one is the most hungry, just just imagine just as ravenous, just really the most hungry you could be. And ten is the most full you could be. Uh, imagine after Thanksgiving dinner. Ooh, so like that uncomfortable fullness. Yeah. <laughs> where, where you want to unbutton your pants because you just are stuffed. <laughs> like Exactly. Okay, so that would be like the, the 10 rated scale thing. Yeah, and it's, okay. there's no right or wrong answer when you use that scale, but it's just a way to help you build that connection for yourself to, to increase comfort and trust in your body and in your ability to regulate, you know, your eating. You know, and that brings up an interesting um, question that I have for you is that, you know, when you say that it is, there is no right or wrong with that. And so the, the thought that I had about that is like, you know, if I'm out and, um, you know, at a, at a friend's house or at a colleague's house, or I'm having dinner, you know, with family members and, and I'm using this tool, this hunger fullness tool, because I want to change my relationship with food. And I notice that I'm a 10 because I'm feeling, or I'm a, I'm a, let's say a seven, I'm comfortably mm-hmm. full. And I like that. And yet when I tell other people I'm full and they say, well, just have one more, bite or have, you know, whatever. And because people do that, people will, will keep pushing you to keep eating. Yeah. And so so I think, oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut? No, 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 no. Go ahead. That's what I I was just going to ask you. I think that's a great question because this can happen when it's a situation involving food 
which is just such a loaded topic. Food is so powerful. But this can happen even when it's not involving food. It has to do with being able to verbalize, kind of use your voice, stand up for yourself and say no, setting limits with people. You know, if you've eaten a meal and you're feeling comfortably full and you truly don't want to eat anymore and someone's trying to pressure you into eating, you have a right to say no. Oftentimes people don't feel powerful enough to set limits with others. And that's where, you know, it can come out in the area of food and problematic eating, problematic relationship with food. It's one of many areas. And do you think that's also then like, cause I know one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, and, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about this um, in a couple minutes, but you know, this notion of, um, because we don't always talk about setting limits with food. You know, we generally just tend to um, go with it and, you know, if, if someone says, oh, let's order dessert and we could split it and yet I may not want dessert or I only want a bite and yet then other people are just like, oh, we'll just have more than a bite. There's so much left. We generally don't um, stay like what you said. We don't stand our ground or we don't um, set those limits with other people. And I'm wondering if if your experience in your experience, is that something that gets in the way of us being able to have an effective relationship with food. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I think this speaks more about a person just having um, just overall healthy, healthy awareness of their own needs and wants of what they're feeling and an ability to communicate that with other people. I mean, that's really difficult. And, you know, it's a big issue that a lot of people have. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I often find too that, you know, do you think that, um, because a lot of people and, you know, I work with clients too, and I often hear how people will talk about, um, like the word that I think that you used earlier was like binging. Mm -hmm. Um, like they'll, they'll just feel like out of control with their eating. And, and I mean, that seems to be a very common thing for people to do. And I'm, I'm curious a little bit about your thoughts about that. So binging, it seems to be normalized in our culture, but it's definitely not a normal or healthy thing to do. It's, it's a feeling of a loss of control while you're eating a larger than normal sitting of amount of food. Um, and it leads to really just feeling of guilt and dissatisfaction. Um, and I think the major issue, uh, along with just the physical problems that can occur through binging, is um, it doesn't really, it's not an effective coping strategy. A lot of people use binging for a, kind of an emotional coping skill. And it's just not the most effective because when an individual is done binging, they're still feeling just as bad, if not worse. Well, but it, I mean, it, to play kind of devil's advocate, they, you know, the belief is that it temporarily suspends them from thinking about whatever the issue was. Right. It's an avoidance strategy. An avoidance, yeah. Yeah. And I know that you're in the field of substance abuse. It's a similar kind of construct. It's, it's mm-hmm. something that usually when it's an avoidance strategy, it's not healthy. It's not good. Now, distractions, on the other hand, are, can be very healthy. It's an important life skill to develop um, wonderful alternative to using food. Uh, healthier distractions. 
Yes. Yes. So what might be an example um, as opposed to binging? So, yeah, definitely. I mean, if it's a coping skill, if it's a coping behavior that's using food and it's coping for feelings, it's probably not a good decision. So some alternatives in terms of distractions could be just if you can get out of the house, talk to someone, maybe engage in a pleasurable activity, um, you know, scrapbooking, uh, something that you enjoy, you know, even if it's something distracting that you moderately enjoy, like house cleaning. So anything that can maybe give you pleasure in a different way. Pleasure or distraction, yes. Or, or something that could be, because a lot of times people use food as a way to soothe themselves. So, um, you know, finding alternative healthy ways to soothe yourself. Soothing is a life skill. We all need to self-soothe. We need to find ways because there are times, and it's very normal for us as human beings to feel emotional distress. So it's important to develop the ability to soothe ourselves. Um, and on that... The, the acceptable thing is, is to use food. But I'm so, so sorry I interrupted you. That's okay. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Okay. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's drserena, W-A-D-H-W-A, at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. 
All right, and welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. If you are just joining us, we are talking with Don Kenner, who is a licensed clinical psychotherapist and specializes with um, eating disorders and helping individuals with their relationships with food. And we've been talking about, you know, this relationship with food and, you know, dieting and, and just just kind of how we relate to food and just some interesting things. And, you know, during the break, you had mentioned, um, you know, the concept of body image and even how that relates to um, how we relate to food. And, and I just, you know, wanted to throw that out there in terms of how do you, how do you see those two things relating? You know, when people are, um, struggling with eating well and and how they see their own body or their um, body image. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a, compl- a complicated topic. Um, everybody seems to be, you know, uh, undergoing uh, stress and, and uh, just messages about what your body's supposed to be like and even, you know, medical professionals are, are, are sending out messages about what you're supposed to be and what your body's supposed to be at. And it's, it's a lot of pressure and it can certainly create a lot of anxiety, which can further fuel any kind of, you know, eating issues that you may have or could complicate things or begin to start problems. Yeah, I can actually even, um, I mean, from what we've talked about, you know, previously even can make it much more challenging with uh, dieting even. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of the things that prompts you to start a diet. Um, that it could be, you know, messages about body image can be sent to even, you know, really young kids who are developing um, and it's just a lot of pressure. Absolutely. It creates a lot of anxiety, um, leads to, you know, self-esteem issues. All kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, right be- Yeah, right before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, just kind of different ways of soothing and, um, you know, that we were talking about the concept of binging and how that's not um, an effective coping strategy with with moods and, and uh, emotions and all that stuff. And I was curious to know, um, you know, what, what we talked just kind of briefly about um, uh, mood and food. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about some of that connection with our emotions and food, because there, you know, that really, there is really a huge connection there. Yeah, there is, you know, uh, biologically, you know, Foods set off neurotransmitters in our brain and, you know, set off dopamine receptors where, you know, we can experience pleasure. Um, so that's one, one component. And then there's also just the emotional component, you know, certain memories or feelings that we ascribe to foods. Um, and that can be really uh, deep for us. You know, that's why they call comfort foods. That's why there's a label for, for some foods. Foods that you know from from home, perhaps, or, you know, from certain types of celebrations and what they represent. And, and so is, 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That's that's it. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, is that why um, you know? So then, in relation to that, then if there are foods that can trigger certain chemicals in our brain and whatnot, mm-hmm. when you talked about earlier, you know that um, restricting certain foods. Um, how does that relate to to that sense of then feeling deprived? Well, you know, um, food restriction is linked to um, a lot of mood issues. People who engage in food restriction often develop psychological um, symptoms. You know, there, there have been studies. There's a, there was a Minnesota experiment in the 19, I think it was in the 1940s, where um, uh, a group of participants were, um, they, they took and basically starved them put them on an extreme starvation diet <laughs> and they saw that they developed uh, extreme psychological symptoms. Some even like in a form, developed psychotic symptoms. Oh, wow. Um, you know, definitely severe depression. I, they were just very isolated um, and some even developed hallucinations. What they found then in the third phase of this um, study was that when they refed them, during the course of refeeding these participants, their um, psychological symptoms one way. Really? Yes. So we can kind of extract from that study that when we deprive ourselves of foods in general, that in in some respects we may develop some of that as well. I mean, maybe not to that extent, extent of yes. course. Yeah, um, there's a reason that for example, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the bottom of the pyramid are your basic needs and food is one of them. So it's really important that we get adequate nutrition, you know, shelter, that we feel safe in order to um, attain those higher needs of ours. Well, and that's interesting you say that. So, you know, when we're talking about like, um, like if I'm hungry, like right now I'm noticing that my stomach is growling. (laughs) And so I'm hungry and I'm thinking about, okay, I need to eat food. And so if I'm um, needing to eat and how does that, does it, is that going to make a difference in terms of what I actually reach for? Or is it, you know, does that, how does that relate in terms of, my relationship with food. Do you, do you understand what I'm yeah. asking? Yeah, so okay. I, I think that that's kind of, there's a complicated answer to that. Um, okay. You know, have you been eating throughout the day? You know, is it have, did you skip meals and then suddenly you're hungry? If that's the case, perhaps your choice will be different than have you been feeling yourself well throughout the day, you know, because you might want some quick energy and, you know, you might reach for, I don't know, uh, like a candy like a treat, bar. A candy bar, something that's a treat food that is fine, but um, you may not make the most balanced choice. So a lot of that then will depend upon, like what you were saying earlier is kind of um, our relationship with food and kind of how we, how we perceive food's purpose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for, you know, listeners that want to kind of shift their perception of food, what, what kind of things can you suggest to them to, that, that may be helpful in that direction? 
Well, you know, you did bring up body image. That's one issue that, you know, oftentimes can be the most difficult thing to treat. So we'll go to that later. But in terms of food, you know, we did talk about dieting. And I think the number one thing is to embrace the thought of rejecting the diet mentality. Giving yourself allowance to eat throughout the day. Um, And there's this one concept of a lot of people have a a polarized or or a black and white relationship with with food. And oftentimes it's with foods that they really like, you know, like carbs or certain snack foods or desserts. Or chocolate. Or chocolate, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's about being able to shift your relationship and be okay with eating foods in moderation and balance. So it's not about eating cake all day for every meal, but being able to have a dessert when, when you want on occasion. Um, eating all kinds of food in balance and moderation. That's really what it's about. So you're suggesting that one way then to kind of begin that shift in perception. Like, so if I want to develop um, a different relationship and I'm looking at, okay, let, let me look at food differently. You know, going back to this idea about rejecting the, the concept of dieting. And so I can include all the foods that I think I cannot, I can, I can, I can keep everything in my my food day. It is really just about uh, moderation and about looking at, okay, I can't have the whole cake, but I can have a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, all the foods you like may not fit in one day. You know, it's about listening to your body, you know, eating in balance and moderation. So maybe one day you'll have cake as a dessert and the next day you won't. Um, it's Okay. So maybe like the next day I'll have uh, yogurt for dessert instead or I'll have frozen yogurt. I think also it's about just, you know, how you gave an example of someone being able to speak up and say, you know, I don't want to eat any more. I've eaten a full meal and I'm full. Same thing about yourself, giving yourself the allowance, listening to your body of, well, actually today I want to have pizza or today I'd like to have a burger or, you know, I, I do want a dessert today. And then allowing yourself to go with that and then making different choices the next day. Depend, again, listening to your body, I don't think that there's any okay. right or wrong, but it is, you know, just having an understanding of portion size um, and the different food groups and, it, and if you're needing to, your to kind of relearn things if you've been so disconnected. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. 
Listen every Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wadwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. And if you are just tuning in, we are talking with Don Kenner, who's a licensed clinical psychotherapist and specializes in. Um, with individuals that have eating disorders or um, different relationships with food. And, you know, we have been talking about food and, um, you know, just how we have these really um, interesting relationships with food. And I know, you know, in the previous conversations, we talked a lot about food wellness and um, the connections between mood and food and how we can kind of shift our relationship with food. And, you know, one of the things that probably will come up is how can individuals uh, recognize, like if there's a listener right now um, who's who's listening and they're, you know, hearing this, how can they know if their relationship is problematic? Like it's not healthy. Yeah, I think one way to gauge that is to think about, okay, how much am I thinking about food, my body, and dieting? How much are my thoughts preoccupied with this? You know, how much of the day is this uh, interfering with my social life? You know, am I avoiding going out socially because of food issues? You know, those are big warning signs. So, like, if I'm constantly thinking about um, food or what my body looks like or what it's going to look like if I go out or Mm -hmm. my appearance, things like that, that that might be a sign. Yeah, if you're avoiding going out, if you're planning ways to avoid food issues or to be alone with food. Um, if you're thinking about food and planning food and calculating food and it's taking up a big portion of your life, those are all reasons to maybe look deeper into this issue. And is that something that may happen? Like, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, um, like, for individuals that struggle with binging. Is that mm-hmm. something that tends to happen for binging? Yeah, binging, I mean, binging among other kinds of behaviors, um, you know, people often do it alone, um, 
and there's a lot of shame and guilt around it. Um, a lot also to do with the money spent on food um, and the waste involved with the binging and the food. Um, so just a lot of things that go that go into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so one of the ways that you're suggesting that people, um, like if a listener is is wondering if their um, uh, eating is problematic, is looking at, okay, how much are you investing in your food-related issues? Yeah, how much of your time is spent involved okay. with food? Um, some other warning signs is, are you uh, not only planning food, thinking about food preoccupied or just really driven by all of these food and body issues, but how much time do you spend with food-related activities? You know, a lot of people with eating issues end up cooking, a lot of food shopping, food planning, which that in itself is not, is not a problem. It's not a bad thing, and neither is food for that matter, but it's just a matter of, okay, how much of this am I doing, and is it interfering with, with my overall functioning? Another way to think of it is, all this food-related stuff, is it interfering with other really important things in my life? Well, that's an interesting concept, because I'm thinking about, like, you know, for individuals that may want to start, um, maybe they want to start eating healthier, and so mm-hmm. that does require more time, you know, buying um, fresh foods, you know, cooking at home, preparing meals, um, things of that nature. And so there is going to be then that um, sacrifice, so to speak, of, okay, well, then I I won't be able to spend as much time with X, Y, and Z because I want to make these healthier meals, Um you know, every night or five nights a week or whatever the case may be. And so is that, I mean, is that kind of what you're talking about or is that different? Well, I mean, I, I can't really answer that. I'd have to know more about that specific situation. But when someone is, in, is avoiding social interactions, things that they may ha- would do under normal circumstances, but because they're preoccupied with food and dieting, when it's taking, when it's isolating you from other people, from, from things that you normally would do, you okay. know, social events, even, you know, I, I've seen more people avoid going on outings with their spouse. Um, oh, because of food related issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. So like in, in, like in a situation like that, it may be that if they're, if they're cooking with other people, then that's not necessarily going to be detrimental. No, not necessarily. Um, it's, 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 there's nothing wrong with cooking your own food and, you know, being mindful about it. Okay. What about, um, what are some other things that people can look at or um, become more aware about if, you know, they're concerned about if their eating is problematic? Well, you know, something that we talked about earlier was, are you using food as a way to cope? Is that your go-to for emotional pain? You know, um, when you're under stress, is that what you're going to, if you're noticing that you're using food to cope with difficult feelings, um, that's for sure a red flag. So, so far looking at how uh, prevalent is food in your thoughts and time, how much are you investing in it, um, do you use it as a coping mechanism? It sounds like that's the second way. And is there any other ways that... Um, 
I think what uh, we had talked about before in terms of how much are you avoiding um, because of food, how much, you know, social interaction or important, uh, valuable life events are you avoiding? How much are you just avoiding going out because of food issues? Okay. You know, and I'm curious because that, that brought up another question for me. And I'm just wondering, and, you know, just in your experience and in, you know, the work that you've done, have you, have you seen people that actually have a good relationship with food? <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, that's definitely something that you can develop. I mean, we're born naturally with an intuitive ability to eat when we're hungry, stop when we're full. It's just that we learn these kind of messed up things over time. So- Okay, so what what does that look like? It's just just to kind of give listeners a picture of what a um a, a, a effective healthy relationship with food looks like. Can you so give like a picture of that? Yeah, um, it, just to sum it up very briefly, um, it's you know listening to your body, listening to your body cues, eating when you're hungry stopping when you're full, Um, being able to stand up for yourself. So like in that example, you know, someone's pushing food on you, being able to, you know, say no, being able to, that's even a kind of a, that's a bigger theme. Um, But respecting your body. So, you know, we talked about body and there's just another component, but being able to honor your body, to care for it by nurturing it, you know, with food. Um, that's and, and then also um, using other ways to manage your emotions that are outside of food, being aware of that. So being able to listen to your body sounds huge um, in terms yeah. of, of, of having a, a healthy relationship with it. Um, using food as nourishment, kind of what we talked about, using other ways to cope with emotion, um, and then a couple other things that you had talked about. So lots, so there is, so that it, there is hope. There is a possibility of having there this is. great relationship. So it is definitely possible. The thing I love about this work is that it's tangible and you can see change. I see change in my practice all of the time and it's so, so rewarding. So if individuals, if listeners want to hear more or learn more from you about what you do or about information that they heard on the show, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can um, look me up. I have a website. It's thekennercenter.com. All of my contact information is there. I am located at 180 North Michigan Avenue. Um, You can contact me. You can fill out a contact form. Um, All of my information is, is online. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information and having a discussion with us about um, our relationship with food. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on. And listeners, join us next week as we talk with Dr. Michi Fu about positive psychology. Have a great weekend and enjoy your holiday. Thank you. Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwell hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 